Hello, and thanks for joining us on Sex and Life. It's a podcast that talks about and how you interact with it on a daily basis. You forgot uh, the word interfaces, didn't you? Interfaces, <laughs> yeah, something like interact, whatever. It's, it's an inner thing. Uh, it's an inner ear infection. Fuck you. <laughs> as always. I have one of those. I... As always, we have producer Joe with us. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're welcome. Your You're the producer. I kind of yeah. have to invite you. It's true. It's, it's a, a mutually assured destruction. This is yeah. it. And today uh, we have Will McLean from Sydney and Toronto. Hey, Will. How's it going, guys? It's going Good. great. How are you doing? I'm, I'm awesome. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. So I met Will at the Playground Conference that we've had a lot of guests on about. Courtesy of Samantha Fraser. Courtesy of Samantha Fraser. She rocks. And I was just blown away by Will's presentation. It was so good, so tight. And I, I learned a new phrase that uh, I really, really like. Um, and we'll have Will explain it. Will, what exactly is a pleasure dom? Okay, so this is a this is a term that I identify with personally, but uh, pleasure doming. A lot of people are familiar with the idea of a dominant, right? Like the idea of a dominatrix. It would be a, uh, a gender specific female, you know that. But like the idea of a dominant, someone who you've uh, engaged their services to, you know, torture or spank you all these wonderful things that people in kink are into but the idea of pleasure dom kind of slips a lot of people's notice it's the idea of taking pleasure as the stimulus instead of pain as the stimulus and then using that to really push someone's boundaries and someone's like mm. really open up that envelope to a place where they may have pulled way back but because they've got a, a experienced guide they can really let themselves be taken to a new level into a new place that they might not have let themselves go before now, when I had uh, heard about the term uh, pain domination, it was my understanding that the reason why the pain is inflicted is because that person individually is still gaining pleasure from it. It's just it's a, it's a way their their brain is kind of wired to respond to that particular stimuli. So what is it about the pleasure dominance that uh, that makes it more than just you know pleasuring someone on average? Well, so it's the, the idea of... Um pain and pleasure is very much the same idea as sweet or spicy. You know, mm. for some people, the idea of spicy food is abhorrent. They they wouldn't want to eat food that makes them sweat and burns their mouth. And for some people, that is food. If it doesn't if it doesn't make you sweat, it's not hot enough. Now, <laughs> neither one of those things innately is right or wrong, right? There's the idea that if you like sweet food, you like sweet food. If you like spicy food, you like spicy food. And pain and pleasure in the kink world are are kind of on that same plateau. You know, they're stimulus, and uh, it kind of goes back to the. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Hellraiser series, the Clive Barker Hellraiser series. Yeah, there's he is. In, yeah in that in that whole horror series, the one of the antagonists has this line where he says, "There's no pain or pleasure, only flesh." And really, it's such a Buddhist philosophy of the idea of like there's stimulus and how you deal with stimulus. Some people interpret pain as an enjoyable sensation. But I don't want to say it's a pleasurable sensation. Rather, they enjoy the sensation of pain, where other people take pleasure, and that's the sensation that they more readily identify or accept. And 
it's not so much the wiring so much as is how you choose or how you've kind of developed your experience with those things. When something's really familiar, it's really easy for you kind of kind of slip into it. For some people to jump right into pain as the stimulus is overwhelming. It can often be really triggering. It can be something that they're not comfortable with or it takes them to a place where they need a lot of emotional management. Pleasure for most people off the top is acceptable to one degree or another. You know, we learn very young to pleasure ourselves. Um, our interactions sexually with others the first few times hopefully will be pleasurable, you know, but um, it's it's an area where we'll take ourselves to X point, but maybe not to Z point. Mm. Um, so to, and not, to, to go back to your question, it's uh, the idea that you might really enjoy pain as a stimulus. That might really be the thing that kind of gets you off. But that doesn't mean that pleasure is something you don't enjoy, right? That kind of pleasure stimulus, like the traditional orgasm, the yeah. traditional internal stimulus, external stimulus. If we're talking about gender specific female, um, you know, the idea of uh, like clitoral stimulation, that sort of thing. There are people in kink who could forego all of that, don't like any of it. It's not their thing. They just need pain, pain, pain only. And that might not take them to a place that some of us more readily recognize as orgasm you know that's not always the goal for people in sex play or any type of stimulus play orgasm isn't where you need to go with it um the idea of pleasure doming specific is to introduce an overwhelming amount of pleasure an overwhelming amount of stimulus and not let your subject get away from it so you know like you squirm you writhe you thrash you're mm. you're vocal you know all those things that you do to kind of release that pleasure coming out of your body um pleasure dom is about the idea of not letting them escape it not letting them be distracted not letting them get away from it rather forcing them to recognize and deal with it and then where they would normally tap out or stop themselves you take it past that level and past that level and past that level to really push them to a new height in what they can mentally accept because you're or, or physically or physically because your your body in my experience um if you're with someone and, and you're paying attention to how you're having sex, you can increase their orgasm exponentially. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite ways of doing that is by teasing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that'd be a pleasure dom thing, right? Absolutely. Orgasm Absolutely. denial. Absolutely. Orgasm torture and orgasm dial are, are, are synonymous for a lot of pleasure doms. The idea of building that anticipation to the point where, where your subject is, is going crazy just waiting for you to get started or begging you to finish and just not allowing it getting them you know uh, the term that a lot of people are more familiar with now is edging they had to bring them bringing them right yeah. up to that precipice of orgasm right where they would tip over and then backing way off and like coming way back and then come down a little bit and then rushing them back to the precipice and bringing them way back it's that roller coaster anticipation of that and it seems to go on forever and you just know the drop is going to happen. And eventually you're just like, drop already. It's just, it needs to happen. And it's not. And you know that the higher you go up, the bigger the drop's going to be. And your body starts getting almost anxious. Yeah. Because you may not, you may not be able to deal with that drop when it comes. And then you're start, you almost start backing off. 
you're like, oh crap, okay, you know what? Let's just let's just back up the roller coaster. And that's when the pleasure dome is like, no, 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 no. I'm going to take you up another hundred feet. That's We're going to go. You're going to up another hundred feet, and now the person is going to be like, this drop is going to kill me. And when you recognize that point, that's when you bring them down. They go down that roller coaster ride. They're screaming. Their body doesn't know what to handle, like how to handle that free fall of that orgasm at that length and that duration. And then you kind of take them through the bottom, take them right back up and bring them right crashing down through it together. And that's where their, that's where their, their, their mind kind of snaps, <laughs> right? And it's just like a roller coaster. Your body just goes, shit, that's it. And just gives up. And that's when it takes over. That's when that pleasure takes over. That's when your body can roll through that and it, it can sustain it. Have, have you ever pushed it too far where someone has lost all ability to have an orgasm that day? There's, I, I've, I've been, I've been really, I've been lucky to have great, great subjects where we haven't taken it to a point where someone, someone is broken entirely, you know? Um, That's good news. Yeah, yeah. You know, I haven't, I haven't broken anybody yet, but, um, the thing with pleasure dom, and this is actually something I talked about in the, in my, my talk at playground is the same the same negotiations of scene, the exact same types of verbal interaction before starting the play, um, you know, knowing what their previous limits are, knowing how much further they want to go beyond that, recognizing those boundaries, um, getting that active consent, all of those same things that you, if you were using pain as a stimulus, you know, you want to know like how badly are you okay with bruising? Are you okay with breath play? Are you okay with these? Those are the same conversations that have to happen with pleasure doming, because just like in, in any sort of pain application, there may be a point at which your subject can't verbally communicate just where they're at and you need to check in. So you need to know, cause there, you can just as you can with, with pain stimulus, you can really negatively trigger a reaction yeah. with pleasure with somebody, you know, it's like tickling someone to the point where they, they can't catch their breath. It can well, be terrifying for some people. I think all people are different. Like, you know, and some like it one way or another way. Like, uh, I have a friend who doesn't like uh, attention on the head of her clit. Mm. She prefers it on the shaft. Yeah. So uh, other people prefer it on the head or mm -hmm. wherever. But yeah, it's, 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 I think that's an important thing to figure out too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's someone who's self-aware enough to say, this is what I like and what I don't like. Yeah. Is there a level of fear that comes with this? Like even if they are compliant and they are going along with it, because coming back to the, the, the pain version of this, I think part of it is this idea that somebody is, is domineering over you and is being very intimidating. So it's scary. Mm -hmm. You don't quite know exactly how much pain this person is going to inflict, but I'm not sure if I'm seeing that same thing happen when somebody is trying to bring you that much pleasure. It's almost like somebody is dangling the candy in front of you. And you're and it's the and you're just getting anxious and you want it and you reach out to grab it but you can't get it. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of like it's a little bit of like you know the cake or the poison, the cake or the poison. It's like it's like uh you know you're letting you're letting your subject choose the stimulus, right? And um, they both know the end result is going to be a little bit of like loss of control. So the the initial conversation has to come into this idea of like how much how much control are you handing me here? Like, are, are you letting me dominate you entirely or do you want to start off initially as making this more of a reciprocal thing? Like, do you want this something that you're actively engaged in? You know, um, 
when you when you start with with pleasure doming, it it also depends on how they engage that service, right? Is this is this if this is a, a lover, if this is someone I'm dating, that, or this is like someone that I've just been playing with and they want to try this out, like we're going to experiment into this forum. It's different because, like you were saying, like you kind of know your partner a little bit better by that point already. So you may you know, should, yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. hopefully you've been listening. You know, um, you 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 hopefully will recognize their body cues by that point. But if this is someone that's coming to me cold um, through Sibi in Toronto, they're coming to me because they've heard about me from other people, and they just want to engage in that play, and like that's our jump point. The conversation is a lot a lot longer the like the preamble is a lot bigger because we we really do have to talk those things out and the, the idea of like are you giving me total control and in that how much are you used to not having that control if if they're in the kink community and they're used to handing over control entirely to a dominant of any degree then our conversation is already sort of accelerated right yeah. because if i know they're in the kink community and i know that they've been comfort uh, comfortable with different levels of play We've already sort of advanced the timeline a little bit. You don't have to sit them in the room and play the introductory DVD. Yeah, there's the the, 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 the yeah kink for dummies kind yeah. of DVD. Yeah, right? I would imagine you know? that most people, uh, excluding myself, because I've been in the kink community for over 20 years mm. and never paid attention to any terminology really. <laughs> yeah. But I would guess for the most part, it's helpful helpful if someone's been in the kink community because then they know all the. You know, if, if you turn and say, well, what are your hard limits? Yeah. And they have an idea of what you're talking about, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think, too, when you're when you're immersed in a community, um, any community, whether you're paying attention to the, the verbiage or not, it's familiar. You understand the inference of it, right? So you can communicate reasonably clearly off the top. And any, like, further clarification doesn't come with having to actually explain the terms so much as clarify the breadth of that term for whomever you're speaking with, right? But um, when you're dealing with someone who is new to the kink community or someone who is new to kink in general, you know, maybe someone is like, oh, I, I, I went to Playground for the first time. You know, my friends told me Sam does this amazing thing and we went down and I learned all these new things. Like I went to this conference and to that thing. And, you know, people can come out of there overwhelmed with terminology and overwhelmed knowledge, but wanting to try it all at once, you know, and in that buffet, there's the danger of just <laughs> ruining yourself over, you know, overindulging in everything all at simultaneously. So it'd be a whirlwind, know. I would think. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I've introduced a few people into being a little, mm -hmm. and you really got to, Pardon the pun. Take baby steps. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Appropriate. I think. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, like age play, age play appropriate. It's a, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's. Wait, were you doing it literally? Like, did you actually hold them by the hand? <laughs> they walked on your feet? Like, Some, sometimes. <laughs> not the heavier ones, my No, no, of course not. I, I like the heavy girls, but they, they hurt the feet. It, yeah. it, that works. That looks a little bit more like Weekend at Bernie's, though, doesn't it? Right? It's just a little bit. Um, it's this idea, right? Like it's, it is that idea, right? You, you, when you're in. Ah, uh, you know what? We'll live with it. You sure? Yeah. Yeah. We'll okay. live with it. He says, uh, just, it's hard to live with it when you're yelling outside my window. Okay. You always sound so perturbed. New Yorkers are like that. Yeah. 
especially in Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right? Everyone's and everyone's they can be angry. pleased as fuck with you, mm-hmm. but just sound so angry. Help this guy out. You know, he was a, a business owner, and I got him some extended warranty for, from Apple, and I worked mm-hmm. for them. And he was just he was like, "Hey, Eli, you're fucking great." You're fuck. I want to smash you in the face. That's how awesome you are. I love you so much. I want to kill your children. Mm. That's that's well, New Yorkers happy. They're they're kind of like Klingons in that way, right? Like everything, like everything comes with like a bit of a head. Oh, now I understand. And yeah, okay. yeah. It's like it's, yeah. it comes like you know, it's like Klingon love poetry. Usually, it's, comes, it's like getting your face bitten off at the end of it. You're like, oh, he really loves me. I'm bleeding out. I'm bleeding out. That's how much he loves me. Return of the Living yeah. Dead kind of love. <laughs> I just need to eat your brains, baby. Coming back on point, you were yes, saying something. And then, I digress. Welcome to our neighbors completely yeah. threw you okay. off. Uh, we need music for the tangent section. Yeah. Anyways, sorry, yeah. you were saying something. You were training people about being a little... Taking oh, yeah, baby, yeah, baby steps. steps. Yeah. Taking, yeah. taking baby steps. Um, because that whole thing can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're just being, in, like you were saying, introduced to, to kink and... Uh, it's it's for me watching someone come into themselves mm-hmm. yeah is very gratifying well that's that's my whether, kink whether it's it's yeah. pleasure, pleasure or whether it's pain or whatever just seeing that that transformation to the true self mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know if i can say that true self because it, it's a party that's buried way deep mm-hmm. i think um and then people not knowing whether they want to be dominated or not. I want to be dominated, but I don't want the pains. Dominate me, but, you know, which is... Yeah, which is where I kind of step in on that, right? Now, like, I'm equally comfortable in a traditional dominant BDSM role as well. Like, I've got no problem tarring the crap out of someone with a, with a you know, a single tail whip or a flogger or, you know, you know, or like, uh, you <laughs> know, you or stropping the hell out of somebody, you know, like, I'll take a blackjack to somebody. It just... I've got no problem applying the pain. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I studied, um, pressure points for, you know, almost 30 years now I've been doing Kung Fu and like, uh, you know, I'll do like blood flow stimulation, that kind of totally. stuff. So, I mean, I see I'm 37. See, I was going to say like 32. Yeah. I'm 37. I've been, I've been in the martial arts since I was five and I took a couple of years off. Um, but but yeah, I've been, I've been, you know, and I'm also a massage therapist as well. Right. Um, so, you know, the body is my, is my comfort zone. It's like my wheelhouse is, is, yeah. is anatomy. Right. And in that, um, kind of comes that same idea. Like if you put a chef in a kitchen and say spicy food, sweet food, he's equally comfortable with both, but you know, using, using the cook, cooking yeah. analogy, right. A little bit of uh, savory and something sweet. Little a bit little of time. sweet and something savory, and let them choose where they're starting to find their direction. Right? Yeah, I mean, because I find it, being a pain dom, you, you really have to uh, play with with light touches and, and feelings you like temper that. Temper the touch. And you you yeah, temper it, you and, temper, and, and yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, if if I got your ass red and and stinging, I don't need to beat it anymore. I just yeah. touch it lightly, yeah. rub mm. it kiss it, lick it, whatever, just mm-hmm. different sensations mm-hmm. that, that are more, I, I don't think you need to be a dick to be a dom. No. And, and there's too many people, in my opinion, yeah. there's too many people out there that don't understand or don't appreciate what a gift it is mm-hmm. for someone to say, yes, I'm going to be your sub. I yeah. want you to take over me. Mm-hmm. And that, in my opinion, is such a great honor. 
And I don't well, think a lot that's of people recognize the power, that. That's the power dynamic that a lot of people don't recognize, right? Is that the sub is granting you access. They hold the rights to relinquish that access. They hold the rights to tell you to what parameters and boundaries you're allowed to play in their playground. So it's the idea that they they are giving you access, but they can take that back anytime. And someone that kind of comes into that playground and starts fucking vandalizing it going, well, fuck this. this is like, you know, I get to do what I want. I'm in control. They, they, they find themselves very quickly being ushered back at, right? Yeah. Now there are those predators that rove in the kink community looking for people that are maybe less aware or less educated of their power dynamic and where they control the power and looking for those people that are looking to, you know, they're like, well, I, I like the idea of being controlled. And these people just kind of swoop in and dictate to them what Vultures. that means. Yeah. And they kind of come in and they're like, oh, no, 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 babe. I, I, I Trust me on this. I've been doing this a long time. I know you feel uncomfortable, but that's that's the play. I've, I've heard of a – there's a dom in, in our Toronto community mm-hmm. that apparently likes to take liberties. Mm-hmm. And Oh, there's more than a few. Yeah. I, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. But it, it's because he's supposed to be a professional dom and I have no idea who it is. No one's ever named him. Mm-hmm. But all the women – that I, I've seen on on Fat Life, mm-hmm. they all know who he is, and yeah. they're like, "Yeah." There's there's a couple people in the community that I've I've kind of, you know, I, I've I've been on the on the same pitch as them at one point or another. Like we've we've been in the same space in the same play space, and um, yeah, there's a predatory nature to 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 any people. And it's very easy to hide behind the facade of being a dominant in this community because you can put up this um, facade of uh, sort of uncaring maliciousness and call that, you know, kink or BDSM and say, no, 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 this is the character I'm playing. But like you're saying, sometimes it's exposing the mask, right? Sometimes it's like exposing that true nature. It's like who they really are is this this person, this malicious person, and they found a way to excuse that. And, um, you know, something certainly relevant in the media now, you know, that's With the Joe idea. Gameshi here. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's this idea of like hiding in plain sight. Right. And, uh, it's, it's this idea of, of hiding in plain sight and the idea of saying, Oh no, because of the mass ignorance of the populace, I'm going to label it this. Yeah. When really it's everybody else. everybody in the community red flags, hackles up, knows right away that is not what it is. That's a, not only a mislabeling, but it's disingenuous because it destroys a community's um, uh, credibility. credibility entirely. You know, something that we work tirelessly, I find, to clarify with other communities where we're like, no, it's not this, it's that, it's this, it's that, you know, uh, the Dom isn't in control. It's kind of a misnomer, right? Like really the Dom should be called the subs and the subs should be called the Doms. The the way I've always looked at it, I've I've looked at it as blocks, Mm. right? There's a block on the bottom and there's a block resting on top. If you take away the bottom, the top falls. And it's quite simple. It's, Jenga has always been a BDSM game. I feel, I feel, I feel the makers of, Je- of Jenga just sit around in leather, just going, fuck, this is awesome. <laughs> this just speaks to me. You know, it, it is, it's, it's so funny. Like the, the, the idea of kink 
is so huge these days and it encompasses so much. Like when I first entered the community, you know, kink meant BDSM, BDSM meant kink. They were ubiquitous terms. There was really no difference between the two. You kind of had to listen to typo negative. You had to, you know, <laughs> you had to go to very specific clubs in the city that were sort of dark goth industrial things. If you didn't own sanctuary, yeah, the sanctuary, sanctuary catch 22. Yeah. Um, like if, if you didn't go to these specific places, you weren't goth or you weren't kink, you weren't BDSM and you had to put Cash on that 22. costume. You had to put on the costume yeah. of it, right? Um, and sometimes the image that's formed in the community's formative years is the hardest image to get rid of. It's the one to shake. It's the pop culture version of it. Like you look at, um, you, actually at Playground, uh, last year's Playground, there was a f wonderful forum on pop culture's version of kink and BDSM and how when you play a video game, you end up at these like dungeon layers and there's people like lashed up to the walls and it's always the villain. It's always the villain lives there, you know, and they're like, <laughs> they've got some gimps come out with machine guns to yeah. shoot at you. The matrix movies, it's a bunch of guys in zipper masks, you know, shooting people. Yeah, like, I it's, was playing, um, it was a game Saints Row the third and that exact scenario happens. It's always, and you the have to rescue guys. somebody. So then they have to, yeah, he has to make a run for it and they're getting away on these carriages, but he's still bound up in his, in his gimp gear. I would, I would love, for the protagonist to be like a heavy metal kink, you know, like someone that be out there and just be like, you know, Dom geared up, but be like the good guy. That'd be know? funny, like a superhero. Yeah. Leatherman. Uh, <laughs> look into Bayonetta. You might yeah. find something to like there. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. George, if you're listening, we're going to use you as Leatherman. You are going to be that superhero, George. He's, I'm pretty sure he already is. Probably. <laughs> George? George? Yeah. George yeah. from Northbound. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, yeah, George could totally be Leatherman. Yeah, Absolutely. we can name drop him. Okay, so um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit yeah. because we haven't gotten quite into what the Sibian actually is. Uh -huh. And I do believe that one of the reasons why we brought you here today is because we want to hear about this. Almost a fucking hour, right? Yeah. Half hour. I'm banking on the editing okay. aspect. Yeah. Um, well, so uh, you, you were at the, the, the playground conference um, representing your business, which is Sibian Toronto. Mm -hmm. What is a Sibian? Okay, so a Sibian, a Sibian is a pleasure device. Um, it's essentially the, the most powerful vibrator and the most powerful vibration machine on the market right now. Um, it looks like a little leather saddle. You know, it looks like a little, little leather pommel horse. Inside, there's two motors. One uh, deals with rotation and one deals with vibration. There are 11 available attachments that sit on top of the saddle that connect to a small flange. And it allows for the internal attachments to rotate and the rest of it vibrates. What makes it specifically unique is the amplitude of vibration, the volume that you can get out of these things in terms of power. It's a plug-in device. The motor is enormous. It's all commercial-grade bearings and everything. It's just incredible how powerful this thing is do you need to bolt it to the floor you don't but you need to bolt the rider down i <laughs> sometimes you like i i've had people ride it where you you have to hold them down on it it's it can be really intense and oftentimes overwhelming so um you know we were talking about baby steps before it is the idea of um it, it's it's for both people that are new to vibration and for people that are experienced in vibration in that it's a phenomenal couples product. 
it really, when I introduce couples to it, I, I teach couples how to work together as a singular experience. So whoever is controlling that, uh, the, the, the Sibian itself for the writer really gets this, um, you know, when we're talking about true selves, what makes the Sibian wonderful. And I think one of the reasons it's so uniquely addictive to watch people on it is because you get this overwhelmingly transparent and honest physical reaction from the writer. There's no, there's no show other than what's coming out of the core of their body, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're so overwhelmed by how much stimulus this thing provides that they lose control of the whole, I need to look pretty or I need to sound a certain way. They just hold on and try to breathe. And this thing just shakes the orgasms out of you. It just grabs you by the ankles and just shakes them out of your body. <laughs> if there's one in there hiding, it's going to find it and it's going to let it out. You know, it just loses it. I have a, I've had a misconception about it because in the past I have seen this. It was on Howard Stern. He mm -hmm. had a section where he would make his guests ride yeah. the Sibian, but it was always female guests. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm assuming that men can ride this too. They can ride it. Um, as someone who's been in the toy industry for a long time, I have to say there are better toys, better suited for males, for prostate pleasure specifically, because the the thing about the Sibian, that rotation that it provides, which is unique to it, um, it's such a vigorous rotation that it's not something that you should do anally mm. simply because the tissue inside the anus just is take it. it's yeah. just so fragile and you because there's so much stimulus happening you won't know until after whether or not you've damaged it so it's one of those things where it uh, the intention of it is really to kind of have the vibration combined with the rotation which is why it's so great vaginally because it really really kind of works the walls of the vaginal canal and hits the g-spot it works the entire also, substructure like fisting um, less like fisting and more like, uh, like double digit G spot lifting where, where, you know, you've got the external pressure, the yeah. internal pressure and that sort of G spot tapping yeah, yeah. with clitoral stimulation happening simultaneously. Okay. So what it does is it sends so much percussive wave from the inside of the vaginal canal outwards, sort of like ripples in a pond that it's hitting the backside of the clitoral structure inside the pelvis that's buried deep inside the body it's yeah. so scientific right it really does like it, the anatomy of it like you know i'm sure you guys have probably covered the the clitoral structure before for your listeners but the idea that like the clitoral glands that the tip of the clitoris that you see outside the body is literally the tip of the iceberg yeah. and there is there's just there's inches and inches of clitoris there's eight inches of clitoris that split into two branches that also have two smaller sub branches as well hmm. that go inside the body so there's the, the tip of the, the clitoris is like the head, literally, of a body. And then there's two arms that go back and then two legs that come down. They rarely see a lot of percussive vibration because they're buried. Were you an, uh, an R RMT? I'm a Thai massage therapist, okay. specifically, yeah. Uh, because my partner, Vina, she was on her very first show as a registered massage therapist. Mm -hmm. And she has such exquisite knowledge of the body mm -hmm. and all the soft tissue. And I was wondering if you had the same uh, knowledge coming from a massage background and did it help you learn more about the pleasure of vibration? It's actually, it's funny. My, 
and this this relates particular to BDSM, my knowledge of human anatomy comes more from Kung Fu and the study of um, meridians, nerve lines, nerve channels, soft tissue, musculature, skeletal structure, yeah. and the way to manipulate it to... Uh, to to Elicit stimulate pain, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I I know how to, to where to put my my like land my strikes to get that pain. It's the exact same channels to express pleasure. They're the same. It's the, the body is 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 a is a finite pool of resources. So you know, knowing how to mix those up, it's pain or pleasure. It's it is that chef in the kitchen idea. So most of my knowledge of human anatomy comes from knowing how to hurt somebody. And then when I started studying massage, I was like, well, I already kind of know this anatomy stuff. I'm just learning how to fix all the things that I would normally break. <laughs> and then, you know, and then from that point, when I, when I started going more into, um, into, you know, working with toys and, and BDSM and kink and pleasure doming, it all just kind of, it coalesced and it came to this one place where I was like, that's my niche. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like I know, I know where to hurt. I know where to heal. I know how to elicit this reaction and how to elicit that reaction. Everyone's different, but Have again, being someone and then and later on had to massage that same person. I've, I've, um, I have like, you know, uh, seeing quotes broken somebody and I, my, my, my joking, but not joking. Yeah. Um, motto is if I know how to fix it, I can break it. That's <laughs> sort of the rule I have with some of my, with my partners who kind of take a more submissive role with me is that, listen, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll hurt you, but I, it's cause I know how to make it better afterwards, you know, so I can take it to X point and then, you know, do that. Yeah. Um, not always, uh, I had, I had a, a wonderful partner who, um, in some of our rough play told me, a few days later, she's like, I went to my chiropractor and she's like, it turns out you, you put out a couple ribs. And I was like, I'm really sorry. (laughs) I'm really sorry. And, and she was like, she's like, no, 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 don't apologize. Never apologize. Put out more ribs. I'll just schedule my chiropractor appointments for after I see you. And I was like, Oh, just God bless her little heart. You know, she's just easily one of the, one of the most wonderful partners I've ever had. Cause just, so so into it regardless of personal injury but um but yeah it kind of sorry i I digress but the idea of of the anatomy knowledge kind of all comes from these different facets of my life just seemingly merging you know isn't that interesting how life tends to do that you know you learn this and this and this and this this Mm -hmm. and here you are it's organic but it points you in a direction it really does it kind of if you listen to to your experiences it really does they may seem fragmented, but they are part of a bigger puzzle, right? If you can step back far enough, you realize where you're supposed to be at. So how did you come to the point where you said, yes, I need to run a, a business renting out Sibians? Well, it was the hole in the market, so to speak, right? It's this uh, idea of um, a, a Sibian itself is... Is they're not they're not cheap, you know they is it like twelve hundred or something. They they start in if you if you buy them in America they start around thirteen fifty to fourteen hundred dollars American. Yeah, um, but of course you know we're in Canada and uh, like in Toronto to get one here immediately with the exchange rate, taxes, shipping, 
already you're bumped up to about 1900. Wow. And then you start getting into attachments. What about maintenance too, you know? right? I mean, if the pieces aren't made in Canada, then you'd have to import that as well. Well, so what's wonderful about Sibian, the company, comp- the Sibian product is made by a company called Abco. Phenomenal family run business kind of thing. And they're like, they're just, they're so good uh, with their customer service or customer handling. You can actually buy a lifetime warranty on the unit when you, when you purchase the unit. You can ship it down to them. If there's ever a problem, they'll ship it down, they'll fix it, send it right back to you. And and they're really, really, really good about that. They're really good with their customers. And they've been great with me since I've started Sibi in Toronto. They've stood behind me because I get awareness of their product out. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and they've seen they've seen a marked increase in like calls, emails, purchases from the Toronto region because of that. Um but it's they are they're like they're twenty four hundred dollars by time, you know, all your taxes and attachments and everything yeah. are in. I provide that to somebody to try for $150 for a night or $250 for a weekend. Which really, I mean, when you break it down, that's not that much. It's not that much. That's 10 10 weekends of use to pay for one. And you won't even do that in a year. I mean, what does the average person spend when they go, you know, on a date or a party or whatever, you know? For two people, let's just say dinner and a movie, probably like 50 bucks. For dinner and a movie? Well, okay. I, like, dinner, I, I guess, you, I guess you know, it depends on where you're eating. Can they, can they, they big size? Can they big size okay. the fries? Yeah, yeah, yeah. McDonald's. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, like, 100 bucks. Yeah, like easily. Yeah. Easily, right? It's And it's now we know why Joe Gameshi. <laughs> I have the power to edit this out. Yeah, I would I would probably edit it. You're wasting any, your time. Any of the G word I would edit. <laughs> I would edit any of the G word. He's he's Voldemort. We don't even say his name anymore. I don't even say his name he anymore. Cannot be he mentioned. who cannot be named from the CBC. Um, I could have just said 50 bucks a person, but... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 50 bucks a person. I think when it comes out, you know, you're right. It is like an, an evening out or weekend, a weekend with, with someone that you... Uh, we'll we'll you spend know. 100 bucks on getting into the club and then drinks and yeah easily easily these days you know like you know look at cover charges or like you're saying going to a movie two people going to movies fifty dollars right there you know um if you what a lot of my clientele are couples like a lot of my clientele are couples that have been together for a while they've probably done a lot of experimenting a lot of play on their own most of them probably have a toy chest you know and you look at even just toys on their own um products like from fun factory lilo those products are 150 dollars plus yeah I, I uh, you know, I actually own a Fun Factory, mm-hmm. uh, rechargeable. I think it's waterproof, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to being just water resistant. And I've had that for about seven years. Yeah, and it runs as good as the day I got it. I mean, Fun Factory makes yeah, they're German engineering, right? They they're they're the BMW of sex toys. Like they make great great products. It's really good stuff. The price point reflects that. Um, you know, I love their stuff. There, a lot of their things are really innovative and really really great. You know? But a lot of times you get what you pay for, too. Well, this is the thing with toys, right? You get what you pay for because they're mass-produced, right? And so, like, the bottom line of whatever you're investing in is about going to be what you end up owning that product for, like the shelf life of that product. Yeah. You, you spend 30 bucks on a vibrator, it's going to last you about 30 uses. Like, it doesn't really go much longer than no, they, they blow I've, out. Uh, I've noticed from uh, this and from, like, the interview that we have with George is that the sex industry really does set a standard of making quality product. It really does. It, it really does. Yeah. Well, it's, the, the industry sets its own standards, but there really is the budget standard. And then there's like, you know, someone like Northbound, you know, or uh, Northbound Leather makes phenomenal stuff. Their new designer, Cheryl, is is outstanding. Yeah. They're take, she's taken their company in a kind of 
uh, in a direction that's more accessible to people sort of outside that community that just really want quality leather goods yeah. and don't necessarily need a, you know, a zipper hood, right? But, um, or companies like Aslan Leather, they make some great stuff as well, like really great harnesses and things. It's, it's essentially bespoke leather tailoring though. So it's like, you're going to pay into that because yeah. you, let's face it, if you're hanging someone by something, it needs to be quality, yeah. right? And it can't bite the skin unless that's what you've asked for, you know? And like it, it, these, these things need to carry body weight. They yeah. need to suffer through some real serious abuse. Well, They're going to get wet more than any other piece of clothing. If, uh, if you've bought cheap leather and bought good leather, you, you know the difference. Absolutely. And yeah. it's just, it's. I, I also think there's a difference in the thickness mm -hmm. and the quality of the leather, yeah. as, as, not to mention the stitching itself. Well, it comes down to everything. It just comes to the knowledge of like leather grain too. Like, you know, you get badly pieces, badly pieces of uh, leather made in it and it just, it splits in the wrong sections. It wears in the wrong sections and you know, it's inevitable. It's going to fall apart because it was just machine cut. Like it's just fired off a line yeah. by a bunch of people who probably don't even know what the use of it really is for. They're just firing it off in a line because they, they know there's a market for it. You yeah. know, and that's what happens if you buy shitty stuff off Amazon because it looks the part or you buy something off like an Etsy manufacturer who sees a market to exploit because they're maybe they're making handbags and they're like oh well i can also make you know cuffs and shackles those are two different Completely sciences different things, of yeah. manufacturing mm -hmm. you know where you get someone who makes like leather harnesses or corsetry you know things that are really super detailed and knowledge based and knowledge oriented and they want to make a wallet that wallet's going to be the best wallet you ever buy because it's the most simple engineering of what they already do Right? Yeah. So it's like really kind of working from the top, working your way down. Toys are the same thing. Going back, Sibian is sort of that same route. Abco makes two products. They make a Sibian. They make the Venus 2000, which is a milker for men. They do these two things and they do them perfectly. Hmm. Right. The toy itself, after the first couple beta models, it's never changed. The, wow. first, the first change that they've made in the last 20 years is that you can get different color seats, like fabrics. Purple? Uh, you can get purple, you can Purple's get pink, you color. can get blue, you can get brown. That's for the first time, it, uh, just as of, I think, the last year, they've started um, allowing the, the seat covers to be different colors. And uh, the year or so prior, they started offering two different colors of attachments. But prior to that, like it was like you can have any color as long as you want black. It was the Model <laughs> T. Um, but it never breaks. Like The thing is, like they they really are indestructible tanks. Um, I take it to Club Oasis to yeah. run Sibian events there, and I will run this thing almost nonstop for six hours with all shapes and sizes of rider on it, and it does it doesn't break a sweat. So, how did how did you get introduced to the Sibian and decide that it'd be a good idea? Oh well, I I think once you enter into the adult industry, once you enter the toy industry, the Sibian is always in the periphery. It's like you know, like you said, you've seen it on a lot of people have seen it on Howard Stern initially. I've seen it on porn sites. Yeah, and like I, you know, I've I've, I've probably seen them all. Like you know, <laughs> X girls and like our CD girls, uh, a bunch of bunch of different sites that have them. Um, Howard Stern was was probably I think where a lot of people saw it the first time. I'm not a huge fan of how they do it on the show because yeah. I find it really bullying. But that's his mandate. That's how he runs his show. Is he bullies his guests, you know, and sees how much they'll push back, see how much he can get out of them. Um, but I I've as long as I've been dealing with toys, um, which is almost 15 years now, uh, it's always been that one toy that I, I always wanted. I just wanted one. 
Yeah. Just want to like like talking about you know being a pleasure dom, strapping someone down to that. So much fun. And then not giving them the allowance of, of freedom to get away from it. It just it pushes the envelope so far so fast for people, which is amazing. It really, and it's a it's a very unique kind of orgasm as well. It's a it's a total full pelvis full body orgasm on it because it's stimulating vaginal clitoral G spot and anal for a lot of people simultaneously. That's huge. That's mm. huge for a lot of people. It just sends on yeah. just giant vibration through your bottom half. Through your, well, uh, into your skull. Like, really? What, once that thing yeah, is on all so. the way, all you can hear is the vibration because it just radiates up your spine right into the base of your skull. It's, it becomes all bone conduction. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like it just, all you all your eardrums are feeling is the vibration of the toy. It's just that powerful. And um, knowing that was out there, that's like, yeah, I got a magic one. Yeah, I got a Lilo. Yeah, I got a fun factory. Now I've got crates of both. You know, I've got a bunch of wands. I've got a bunch of Lilo. I got, I've got like the whole Lilo line. I've got a whole bunch of stuff. But when I was able, the first time I bought that Sibian, I'm like, great. How do I pay for this damn thing? Like I got it and I was like, shit, now I got to pay for it. And I'm like, it's like, I can't charge my girlfriends per ride, you know, like I could, but what a dick move. So I was like, okay, well, how can I do this? You're hoping they wouldn't say that after they were done the ride. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, and then it was only when I figured out how to make it safe and sterile and hygienic that I was able to offer it out. There's there's three other companies worldwide that do what I do. Um, one of them, you have to buy the actual attachments. You have to purchase them outright, brand new. So at the end of that, you're left with an attachment but with no unit to attach it to. Um, a couple of them Worst ship for the unit artists, to you. but not yeah, so much. Yeah, well, the price points are are you know massive. It would be like if every time you had to go get a tattoo, they made you buy a new tattoo machine, and they just mm. kept the like the the control base for it. You know, it's like not buying a needle; it's buying a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. So um, there are companies that do it that way. There is a company that ships the entire unit to you and then lets you keep it for a couple of weeks. But the price of that rental is you know probably a third of the price of buying one mm. so again it's not really it's not really economically con uh, conducive for for the riders at least for the renters i can almost see so, that if somebody were to have it for a couple of weeks unless they're completely out of their mind and they just use it non-stop they would yeah. probably end up renting it out as an event of the, the other yeah i have a feeling that like a they, lot of people that rent them for that long are just having private parties that are they're using to or doing for porn themselves for or doing porn, porn yeah, yeah that makes sense you know um i get a lot of cam girls uh a lot of cam girls that that use it and they make clip sales and they make all their money back plus yeah on clip sales um which is a great because like you know like i said if you're if you know about the simian you've probably watched the simian videos yeah and yeah they're pretty awesome they are pretty you know, awesome seeing these well-practiced porn stars completely have a meltdown it's the closest thing a lot of us guys are ever going to see to that super 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 honest visceral reaction that doesn't the the beauty of it is it's that we can be there we can be party to it we can even be in control of it but we're not distracted by our own physical pleasure in the same way yeah so we're getting this really great face-to-face -face reaction with someone having this 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 incredible experience for them which is you know it's really it's a beautiful thing to see that but to be in control of it without being distracted is so unique which is where i find a lot of the couples you know i go to pick this thing up and like you know the wife is out in her house coat 
like just eyes, you know, <laughs> back in her head. Like, she's just—you've never seen anyone more relaxed and more blissed out. And he's like wide-eyed and just like, I've never, never seen that. But it was amazing, you know. She was squirting everywhere and like she was crying and laughing at the same time. And like they've probably never seen that reaction from their partner to that level a lot of the time. So it's it's profound. You know what? The, the, the laughing and crying at the same time—that's a hard one to get. Yeah, I've gotten it. But it's a hard one to get. Well, it's, the, it's usually one or the other. Yeah, it's it's emotional release. You know, I think a lot of us, uh, you know, uh, um, I think a lot of, of binary males, um, we we often because like your or gender males, because we get locked into the unfortunate um, stereotypes of men and emotional men and that sort of thing. And oftentimes our partners too, especially in the heteronormative experience, a lot of time our partners are kind of locked into those precepts as well. We don't get to experience spaces where we're that vulnerable, you know, because most of our heteronormative experience isn't being penetrated and being vulnerable that way as well. And so in that, there's not a lot of allowance for us to emotionally be that, uh, expressive, Right. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, you know, I, I don't think I've ever had an orgasm where I was moved to tears, you know, where I was crying from happiness over how profound that experience was. My first you prostate know? massage I was. Yeah. Is it, was that, it that, that was, see, mine wasn't as, as intense for me. It was totally out of the blue. Yeah. My wife just kind of stuck her finger there <laughs> and it was, but the wave of, of orgasm Yeah, because it's completely different orgasm. If you're just fucking or getting sucked off or whatever, yeah. right? And, uh, yeah, it was totally that whole wave. And then you're just there. Yeah. Your body it's... still hums from the orgasm after. See, I, my, my, my experience with prostate has never been that, um, profound. You know, like I've had it. I like it. It's not the first thing I'd ever off the menu, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but like if I, you know, if I, if I'm coming from oral sex, uh, I definitely there's there's a point where I've, I've I'm just focusing on staying alive. I feel like my head's gonna mm. fold into space <laughs> and I'm gonna end up on a different moon somewhere. You know, like I just it's like this I, everything just sort of swims and goes black for a second, and that's about as profound as it gets for me. But it's great. I just you know I worry I'm gonna die. Um, but uh, but yeah, the the thing with that with with pleasure dominant actually, and this going back to kind of tie it into the whole thing with pleasure dominant is is trying to get your partner to that place, that place where the physical release is as much cathartic in turn with emotional release and allowing someone to just express it, you know, just that complete freedom to express it in a way you're kind of giving them the freedom by inhibiting their movement there and inhibiting and controlling their body. You're giving them the freedom to be like, well, I don't have control over this, so it might as well happen. Yeah. You know? Taking away control is actually one of the best favors you can do with any creative outlet. Because the more restrictions you put, the more you test yeah. the creative. Yeah, it's that's very true. That's very true. The same thing happens with art. You know, if you're given yeah. a purview where it's like, you have to do this, and here are the constraints, and they're so tight, your brain has to go outside that box. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's... That's that's what doming is really about is taking someone and and 
just so myopically forcing them down this tiny rabbit hole where they've got to, they've just got to find that one way out because they can't go back. They can't go any way that they're used to escaping. They've just can only move forward. So they go towards the light, you know, and it's this euphoric place because you've got to find it. Your brain, neurologically, your brain will acclimate to any certain amount of stimulus if it's um, consistent. But the idea of constantly escalating that stimulus, your brain doesn't have the choice to acclimate to it. It's got to constantly accept it as the new standard, the new standard, the new standard, the new standard. It can be addictive for some people too, certainly. Like even pleasure doming. Yeah. You know, I get addicted to doing, or I get, I get to that point with the, uh, the wheels are turning all the time. Right. Mm. I'm always looking for a new way to, to take someone beyond that point. The hard part is finding subjects that are unbreakable enough (laughs) to deal with it. There really is. I I can't imagine there's anything beyond this, the Sibian that can produce a result more than what the Sibian can do. Well, I, yeah, it'd be cocky for me to say, yeah. Um, because, because of course everyone's very different, sure. you know, um, some people, a wooden spoon will take them way past the Sibian and what it'll do, you know, like what I can do with a spatula and a roll of saran wrap, you know, might be more than, than they would want with the Sibian. You know, it's, uh, it, it's kind of, it's kind of where you, you read your, read your partner and then, and then kind of take them in the direction you think subconsciously their brain's trying to get them yeah. to. Well, I guess the way I, I, I'm framing that statement yeah. is the same way I would say the difference between watching a movie, if you're a movie fan and you're just watching it on your TV at home versus going to IMAX. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's, it's completely different. It's the graduation from, from, you know, a pocket rocket to a Hitachi magic wand to the Sibian, you know, it is, it is an escalative process for sure. It's just, it's just like, it, it's actually very much, that's a good example. It's like the difference between TV and IMAX, yeah. you know, in the theater. It really is. It's an immersive experience. It's an overwhelming experience. Um, and it's one that you can't really replicate. Yeah. yeah. So what are some of the, the hot toys for the season? The hot toys for the season? Um, well, aside from the Sibian, you know, because I, I, I got to plug the, I gotta plug the Sibian. Um, Sibians are great yeah, for yeah, uh, Christmas parties. And New Year's Eve parties. Yeah, looking way to spice up the office party. That's um, it. You know, I'll come in for, for a couple hundred bucks and operate it for the whole staff. Um, I do I do bar mitzvahs. Uh, <laughs> actually, oh my God, I don't do bar mitzvahs. <laughs> edit that out. Edit, I don't do bar mitzvahs. <laughs> Wrong crowd. Um, but weddings. Yeah, but weddings. Oh, they're bachelorette great. parties. They're, they're, actually, I've done a couple bachelorette parties and they're they're hilarious. I've done a couple bachelor parties where I'll bring a model with me. Yeah. And the the lucky groom will operate the toy, and like you know, instead of getting the the lap dance or what have you, and those that flies super well. People love that. I um, imagine so. Oh yeah, it's a shit ton of fun. It's a shit. <laughs> it's it's live porn. It's live porn. Like when when are you going to get that right? It's live porn with no touching, so that's it's safe for everybody. About a half yeah. hour ago, I had this image in my mind of combining a bunch of Sabians with a bunch of bumper cars, and then every time the cars ran so... into each other, it would trigger. <laughs> So here's, here's, here's an idea that I've been, and maybe, maybe some of your listeners might be able to help me out with this. I'll provide the Sibian if they can, if they can help me with the engineering. So <laughs> what I want to do is I want to do a series of videos called joy rides. And I want to take a motorcycle with a sidecar. I want to put the Sibian in the sidecar. I want to attach the Sibian's potentiometer to the accelerator of the motorcycle. So I want someone to be on the Sibian. I want to have a couple GoPros set up, have the GoPro just on the on the rider's face, 
So what's going to happen is the the person will will drive the motorcycle around the city. And of course, depending on traffic and depending on how fast a straightaway you can get going, it'll control how fast the Sibian is running and how quickly it's or powerfully it's going. And just watching people, they'd be riding in public. No one would know that they're on a Sibian. They just look like they're just kneeling in the sidecar. Mm-hmm. Right. And they'd be whipping around town potentially having orgasm after orgasm in public, just looking like they're having the, the most fun on a motorcycle they've ever had. I think it can be done. Mm-hmm. And I know a motorcycle shop, uh, but you would need the motorbike and sidecar first. That's the thing. Yeah. So if someone out there, if any of your listeners has has a bike, you know, has like an old, doesn't have to be anything powerful, but, you know, have has a bike that'll push a sidecar, um... You know, or they've got a bike and a sidecar and they're just looking to have some fun. It doesn't have to be a permanent installation. It definitely, it could be something I'm sure we could rig it out so it could be taken out and, you know, just do a bunch of videos all at once in the summer or something. Yeah. But it's something I've been dying to do. I just myself don't have a motorcycle and a sidecar. Although I'm so keen on doing this, I may just end up buying one and doing it anyways. Because <laughs> I'm just, I'm it so be, into the idea. It could be a lot of fun. I'm so into the idea. I think it would just be the it would be literally the best joy ride I could possibly think of. What are your thoughts on on the uh, We Vibe? Oh yeah, yeah. So we we're you know talking about toy for the the toys for the seasons. Um, the We Vibe Four Plus is the newest model that they've just come out with, and it is my favorite new toy on the market outside of what I already deal with. Um, the thing that makes the Four Plus better than the other toys that I've dealt with is that it's got the app, and I know I talked about this at the at the conference. It just, it opens up the idea of play in public to a whole new world. <laughs> nobody, nobody looks at you askew if you've got your phone out, but you're controlling a sex toy in your partner publicly from your phone app. So and what's brilliant about how they've done it, and this is a, a hurdle that a lot of companies have been trying to do forever, is the line of sight or range of communication between the con- remote control and a device it's always been limited to radio frequency, which is crap. You know, you get a wall yeah. or a person between you and it cuts out. Or Bluetooth, which is a 10-meter working radius, but often is usually about five or six, right? The way that they've done the workaround is that the the woman wearing the Wii 4 connects the Wii 4 by Bluetooth to her phone, and that stays on her person close to her. So it's in her back pocket, yeah. the vibes in, or it's in her right. purse, vibes Bra. vibes in. It never really leaves her body, so the connection is stable. And then your phone connects to her phone. So she hands off control of the device through the use of her phone as a proxy. So it becomes the monkey in the middle. So your phone sends messages to her phone. Her phone sends the message to the device on your behalf. So she is relinquishing control to you. She can ask for it back through the device app and you can deny it. (laughs) So you can say, no, you can't have control back. (laughs) Um, But what's beautiful about that is it allows you to control it anywhere you have connectivity between your two phones, which is global at this point. So you can actually be on Skype in a different country and controlling your lover's vibrator on a a different continent and a different continent, which is, 
it's mind-blowing the levels of play. It also means that you could be in a movie, you could be at the dinner, you could be at a party. No, not in a movie. Phones can't be on in a movie. That, but oh, I see where you're going with it. Well, yeah, you could be funeral. You could be funeral. Yeah, funeral, sure, funeral, yeah. yeah. Bar, like, bar mitzvah? Bar mitzvah, yeah. Like, you know those boring People speeches? People are having fun at my funeral. I'm right? going to be upset. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> the, my funeral's just going to be a whole row of Sibians in the front. That's, <laughs> that's going to be like a 12-gun salute. No, the, uh, it, it, the, the Wii Vive 4 Plus, I think, technologically is probably one of the smartest new developments I've seen in the toy industry. What's that running for? Um, they retail in, I'm going to say, I, on average, uh, I know on, on Amazon, you can get about 189 On Amazon, most retailers between 180 and 210 225 Um but they're they're an outstanding device, yeah. super high quality. It's uh it's completely submersible. You can put it in. You can go swimming with it in. It's so comfortable to wear in too. None of my partners have ever complained about where they can wear it in and keep it in for a long time. Um, it's got a great battery life. Like everything about it's exemplary. Like it's a really solid toy, really powerful, but very quiet. It's a it's a great toy. Yeah, you'd want it quiet. Yeah. It's very quiet. The only <laughs> thing I would say is don't wear it. And then sit on hard chairs because someone's just going to think your phone is vibrating nonstop. Like yeah. it, it'll rattle a bit that way. Yeah. But like if you're out in a in a room that's got any amount of ambient noise, you'll never hear it. Restaurants or yeah, you'll never hear it in a restaurant. Like it's it's just it's so quiet but so strong, and uh, you know people just assume that your partner's really enjoying their food. It's <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's nice. a great it's a great toy. It's really really good for Christmas. Great for couples. You can wear it while you're having sex, which is also awesome. Unfortunately, we we're running out of time, and there's so much more I want to talk to you about. Will I would love to have you back. Yeah, I'd love to be back because we we haven't anytime. gotten into the history of the vibrator. Oh my god, which is one of the most phenomenal things uh, uh, at playground for me to to hear and and just learn about the the power of vibration and and how you related it to singing and all that uh where can we find will if um, we want to find you and your product the best way to best way to get a hold of me is uh just google sibby in toronto sibby toronto.com is my website sibby toronto on twitter that's with a y sibian yeah s-y-b-i-a-n toronto all one word um sibby toronto.com sibby on uh sibby toronto on twitter those are the best ways to get in touch with me directly um, if you have any questions, if your listeners have any questions, they can send me a question. I'd be happy to, to expand on anything I've touched on. Um, those are the best ways to get in, uh, a hold of me for sure. But I, I love when people send me questions. So by all means, yeah, reach out. We also like when people send us questions. And you can send questions or requests for different shows, show ideas, whatever, at uh, sexandlife2014 at gmail.com. Will? Thank you for coming. Um, my pleasure. Anytime, guys. It's I'd love to be back soon. Really, really. Uh, I mean, it's guests like this, you know, in our yeah. last few that really, I mean, this is why we, we do it because it's yeah. just, Joe and I both love information. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, from doing this podcast, it's just. Uh, it's been a real treat. It's been yeah. a real yeah. treat. Well, you know, it's that knowledge is power, power is control. That's it. Control is doming. Right. <laughs> no, you keep it's bringing it back. It's the circle of life, my friends, is what Elton John was singing about. <laughs> All right. All right. We're out. We're out. <laughs>